Welcome to the fourth episode of Be Still and Know, a weekly devotional podcast for New Covenant Lutheran Church. I'm Clary Dees, and I'm happy that you're listening. If today's your first time to listen in, I want to encourage you to go back to the first three episodes and take a listen. I say that because I'm realizing that this is becoming a journey as I process through each week, and I find that as I read and listen and pray each week, I'm reminded of things that we've read and heard in previous weeks. So as by now, I'm sure you guys know, we're reading the devotional book, Be Still and Know from Broad Street Publishing. And this podcast shares my thoughts and weekly insights from the recordings each day. I encourage you to purchase the book and read along with us. So once again, this was a great and insightful week this week. God is certainly getting our attention as we move through the weeks. We started this week reading about how God saved us through his son Jesus. And this is probably the most powerful message in the Bible for me. And I have to assume many of you too. The way that God saw what humans were doing and how we as a people had come so far from what he created and he just knew that there had to be something drastic, an act of love that was bigger than all the sin we had created and would continue to create. While it's impossible to fully understand the way that God loves us through the action of sending Jesus to be sacrificed to save us, we can certainly feel pieces of that In the everyday. This week was certainly a feeling God's presence every day kind of week. And it's some of those moments that I want to share with you during this episode of the podcast. Isaiah 54.10 tells us, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. Of course, God knew for a long time that he was going to have to shake things up. He saw that people were moving further and further away from him and that sin was taking over the earth. And yet he still reminds us at every turn, I love you, you are my children, and I will always have your back. We moved from this reading on Monday to Tuesday's message titled, All Things Beautiful. Before I even began reading the devotional on Tuesday, I was instantly taken back to my elementary school days. In England, we called it primary school. But back then, in the UK, there was not a separation of church and public schools. We sung hymns as part of our daily assembly and recited the Lord's Prayer every day. The hymn, All Things Bright and Beautiful, was one that we sung very regularly. And the second line of the hymn says, All creatures great and small. And that particular phrase sat with me this week. God not only loves us, he loves all of his creations. He loves the birds, the insects, the large animals, and everything else. I love that reminder. Even when in our life things might seem difficult, If God takes care of the teeny tiny animals and makes sure that they have the means to provide food and shelter for their little families, he's certainly going to do that and more for us. What a great reminder. In Tuesday's devotional, we read about beauty 
and the beauty in all things. And what I loved so much in this message was the idea of beauty growing over time. In 1 Peter 3, 4, we're told you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. As we grow in relationship with God, learning more about him and in turn about ourselves, I hope that we're able to become more beautiful to him because of the goodness that's coming from within, not just how we appear on the surface. There's a famous quote, beauty is only skin deep. Many use this phrase, but I'd like to explore an alternate phrase this week. Worldly beauty is only skin deep. And I say that because of what we read in the devotional on Tuesday. People have the capacity to be beautiful both inside and out. Not only that, when a person is truly beautiful on the inside, you can see it on the outside. And I don't just mean in their physical appearance either. Sure, if a person is beautiful and spirit-filled on the inside, they're likely to be smiling, which gives them a cheerful face. But I want to call out the beauty inside people's actions. People who are beautiful on the inside tend to show it externally by who they are and the things that they do. I'm certain that there are many people in your life that are coming to mind right now that show this type of beauty. I want to encourage all of us, myself included, to be aware of how we can be more beautiful in this way too. It's the little things, holding the door open for someone, smiling as you pass by a stranger, a thoughtful note, or even an encouraging text message. It doesn't have to be grand gestures to show others you care, to show that interior beauty on the outside. It's the small things that really make a difference. And then the visibility of that inner beauty comes out over time which is exactly what I was getting at when I started talking about being beautiful in this way. As we grow and learn and listen more to God, we realize or are reminded how we were beautifully made in his image. The more we can listen, the more we can be true to the person he made us to be. Beautiful from the inside out. For those of you listening who have been married or with someone for a long time, we just celebrated 15 years this year, I'm sure that you'll agree with me when I say that in a long, loving relationship like this, the idea of beauty growing over time is also true. Just like the devotional read, the man's wife grew more beautiful as she aged. The same way that we grow in our relationship with God we also put that same focus on growing our relationships with those people in our lives. Over time, you get closer, the relationship strengthens, and you learn more about each other. The common thread in all of this is that anything worth nourishing must be worked on. And the best part is that relationships like this make for enjoyable work. It's funny 
This week, there was a couple of common threads that ran through the devotionals, especially after I had just commented that last week, it took me some time to see the common thread. And now this week, I really felt like it was spelled out for me in neon lights. Each of the messages really showed me insight into relationships, both with God and with those people closest to us. So on Wednesday, we read about trusting the rock, which made me initially think about the story of the two people, one who has a house built on sand and the other whose home is placed on the rock. I'm sure that you guys are familiar with that story from Matthew chapter 7. There is stability in the rock, a firm, strong center that can't be shaken. Our relationships need that firm center too. The message of the devotional, though, was something a little different. It focused on the climber and how even with the guide and the rope, she was more invested and put her faith in the rock. As humans, we naturally put our faith in things that are visible to us. The rock in the story that we read about, or our parents, or perhaps a close friend, and of course our spouse. Those are the things we lean on in life. But God wants us to be able to lean on him in that same way. He wants to be the first thing we reach for in a time of need. I'm sure there are some of you listening that do that. I'm sure that there are some who do reach for God first. To celebrate, to commiserate, to complain and so on. And he wants that. He also wants us to have so much faith that we innately know that he he will be there for us. To catch us when we take a leap. For many of us, taking those leaps in life can be scary. I often find that I need a nudge or a swift kick before I take those leaps. But I also know that each time I have taken a leap of faith, it has always paid off tenfold. It's up to us to know that. And I've said this a few times before, but it's up to us to know that God's got our back. He is not going to let us fall flat as long as we have the faith in him and in ourselves. Along with the reading on Thursday this past week, the word obedience came to my heart. In the reading, we learned about the prophet Hosea, whose life was turned into a living parable by God. Jose was fully aware of the situation in his life and he was agreeing to it because God asked him to and he did it willingly, knowing that there was a lesson to be learned. We can learn a lot from the story of Jose and his actions and his obedience to God. If you're looking for a good biblical reference for obedience, I'd recommend taking a look in Deuteronomy. There are many references to God's directions for us, and a good majority of them mention obedience. Of course, in 2021, obedience looks a lot different to how it looked in the Old Testament. So for me, obedience means listening. Listening and abiding in that listening, even when I don't always necessarily want to. It's one thing to listen and hear the messages from God. But it's quite another to follow through with those messages and requests. It's that difference that sets apart disciples from other followers of Jesus. 
Living a Jesus-shaped life means listening to God and abiding, following His directions for our lives. This path will not always make us the most popular people. We've talked about that in previous weeks. But it will ensure that we are always making the right decisions and choices for our lives. For me, this thought about obedience continued through as I read the devotional into Friday of last week. Our reading was about temper tantrums, and my first thought was, well, the obedient child doesn't often throw a tantrum because they're being obedient. But at times of extra pressure and stress, even the most obedient of children can lose control. Even if it's for a fleeting moment, those tantrums still happen. We can directly correlate this from a child throwing a tantrum to a child of God having a tantrum. We can tolerate a lot, put up with a lot of stress, and still manage to keep our composure to a point. Normally, very calm and obedient, we have watched as people hit their breaking points and felt that they had nowhere else to turn. So, on comes the tantrum. Not literally, of course, but you can see where I'm going with this. The type of tantrums we're really talking about are actually scarier than a throwing a binky out of a stroller type tantrum. And we've witnessed this in recent years. The saddest product that comes from these tantrums that we, is that we've ended up as a society full of even more hate instead of more love and understanding. When talking about the commandments, we're told in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. As children of God, disciples, I want to challenge us to remember these commandments closer. Love our God, love our neighbors. We're told in Matthew twenty-two forty that all the other commandments hang on those two. So, I'm guessing those two are pretty important. As we moved into the weekend of our reading, I had to chuckle about the timing. On a day when I was up at 4.30 in the morning to get our younger daughter ready for a dance competition, the devotional literally talks about hitting snooze. I laughed out loud. In all seriousness, no. The reading for Saturday was focused on quiet time with God and dedicating that time to him. And I am really bad at this in the traditional sense. It sounds awful, but I just do not have time in my daily routine to give God the close devotional time that we're told he's hoping for. I was feeling badly about myself when I read this at first, knowing that if I had the chance to carve out a dedicated devotional and prayer time every day, I could really grow in that relationship with him. And then I had one of those God moments. You know, those times when you're thinking about something a certain way and God breaks into that thought process and opens up a completely new train of thought that you hadn't considered yet. Talking to God doesn't have to only happen during a dedicated time on a specific day. I'd love to have that, absolutely, but it's not necessary. Not only is it not necessary to have that carved out time to talk to God, it's also not necessary to have that time to build a relationship with Him. What a relief. 
I know that I am not alone in my busy but wanting a relationship with God status. He is with us always, whether we're in the car, at a dance competition, making dinner, and in the day-to-day raising our children. He hears our innermost thoughts and prayers. He knows what is on our heart, and he's there constantly with helping hands, the little nudges, and the support in our leaps of faith. In this way, God is the perfect friend we just read about today, Sunday. This is the second time this week that we've been told about God's love for us and how he is right there, eager to be our BFF. The devotional said, train your heart to run first to God. And as I've already shared, I am not a person who does this first. I run to my husband first, then to God. Whether it's out of fear or familiarity, many of us lean heavily on those we share our lives with, which is wonderful and perfect, and we need to do that. But I want to challenge those of you who are like me to lean into God too. I think that we can let him into our hearts and minds more. He's the kind of friend you can have over at the last minute without having to clean your house from top to bottom first. He already knows you, and there's no need to try and impress him. I want to leave you today with these thoughts. Your inner beauty has the power to shine brighter than the brightest star in the sky. God knows your heart, and he wants you to take that leap of faith, because he's here for you, he's got your back, and he wants to be your BFF. Amen.